Welcome to the Price of Football, the podcast that follows the money behind the beautiful game. This is Monday, so it's a question special. I'm Kevin Day, and I'm joined by Kieran Maguire, the Baron, the Professor, the Guru, whatever you want to call him, the football finance expert. Well, football finance is fucking rain man, according to one owner of a championship club. I'm, I'm happy with that. Which, which owner of the championship club was I, it? I'd rather not say. Okay, so you're happy with the fucking rain man bit. But yeah. The, yeah, yeah, great. This is uh, this, this 2020. If this was Sky, I'd be saying, I'm sorry if you picked up on some bad language there, uh, which annoys me. It really annoys us. 40,000 people in the football ground. You're watching football. No one's going to be offended. No. It's like it's when they apologise when there's a mass right when there's a twenty-player fight to go. Oh, no one wants to see scenes like this. Yes, you do. Yeah, I want to know why the keeper's not joining in. <laughs> you don't see enough of them. Um, so coming up on this special questions one, how much is the Europa League worth? How, why some clubs post abbreviated accounts and Kieran's eyes just twinkled on the very mention of abbreviated accounts. <laughs> and just how many clubs can you play for a season? Now, our first question comes from Jace Williams. Hello, Jace. Um, this is a we sort of touched on this before, but I, I think we've never fully answered it properly. If the owner of a club wants to invest in his club, his own club, why does it show up on a balance sheet as a loan instead of just an injection of money? Because it's not really investment if the club has to pay it back, is it? Because you've talked recently about Watford, may, you know, their owners may be asking for money back. Yep, there are there are two ways of investing money into a football club. Um, first of all, there is the club issues shares, and, and the nature of a share is that you you give the club money, it gives you a piece of paper, mm. and the club never has to pay that money back. So the only way I can get the money back as a shareholder is if I sell it to somebody else. Yes, but you, there's nothing to stop you selling it, is it? There's, there's, there's nothing to stop me unless there is something called preemption rights, where it's in the club's constitution that if I want to sell the share, I've got to either offer it back to the club or to offer it normally to one of the other directors or shareholders. So you couldn't sell me, sell, if you owned 100 shares in Palace, you couldn't sell them to me. And I go, I'm going to sell them to my, my mate, Big Dave. Right. Um, have, you got, ha- have you got a mate called Big Dave? I have got a mate oh, called Big Dave. <laughs> yeah, he, he's uh, he's an ex-marine. Uh, he's uh, he, he is my hero because he was at Falklands. Oh, really? And you know the, the stories he's told are, are quite harrowing. That's for another pod. That's you another you pod. never know with nicknames because the chances are Big Dave is five foot two. You never know. <laughs> and called Steve. It, yes. If I had, um, yeah, we've talked about donkey head and fireplace check in this pod before. <laughs> if, so if I have a hundred shares in Palace that I've bought at ten pound each, I can sell them to you at whatever price. At whatever I, price. And that's between me and you. Right. But there could be a clause in Palace's constitution which says, if you want to sell the shares, you've got to give Steve Parrish first option uh, to uh, buy fine. them back uh, from okay. you. So that's 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 fairly standard as far as football clubs are concerned. Right. So that money, that's one way of a club generating money from investors. The other way is for the owner to come in and loan that the money which of course loans have to be repaid now there's now there's a lot of complications can take place after that sometimes the owners will be charging interest on the loans so we've seen that we were talking about West Ham recently and I think one of the reasons why West Ham fans are unhappy with Golden Sullivan is that they've they've lent the club 45 million pounds in loans but they've taken out 14 million pounds in interest now in the context of a football club, it's not a huge amount of money, 
but it still grates with the fan base mm. to say, well, you know, we put money in for our season tickets every week or every year, and we get absolutely nothing back, and you're taking out money um, in, in the form of loan interest. And as we talked about in the last pod, there are a traditional working class fan base who are still grumpy about moving to that corporate, giant corporate box, yeah. essentially. But why, to answer Jace's question, why do, do they have to be loans? Why can't an owner just say, why can't... Uh, Usmanov, Everton, for example, just say, here's £20 million, I don't want it back. Um, well, he, he has effectively done that with his stadium naming rights. Right. So, yes, so yes, there yes, are yes. ways of people yes, putting yes. the money in, and we're seeing that through sponsorship. So, for example, the, the guy that owns Scarborough, um, sorry, Scunthorpe, uh, his, his sponsorship deal is with a nightclub that he owns in Blackpool. Yes. Um, so there, there are ways of owners getting money into the club, which which are nothing to do with sort of traditional funding. Um, the reason why the the owner might want to put money in via a loan is that he might be saying to himself, "Well, in five or ten years' time, I want to sell the club, and at that point, I want my money back, um, and and I want to get the money back in in the form of the loan or." If I do sell the club in five or ten years' time, I don't think it will be able to survive on its own. So I'm going to continue to have an investment, which hopefully will be interest-free, and it's a way that the club will survive if I'm not there. There's also the, the, the issue of tax, and there are tax benefits in lending money to people, okay. um, which, which you know, are far beyond sure. our remit. Well, I mean, what if he doesn't want to sell the club? He just wants his money back. What Does that happen? Because um, he's going to bankrupt his own club, isn't he? Well, and there's no benefit to the club in doing right. so. Um, what tends to happen is that you, you come to an arrangement with the club that um, the club will continue, but you'll only get a fraction. So if we take a look at what happened with uh, Sunderland, with Ellis Short, yeah. and with Aston Villa, with Randy Lerner, they both lent around about £150 million to the club. They were two American guys. They didn't really know that much about football, that money was spent, stroke, wasted, and when they walked away, they said, "Give us ten p in the pound." Oh, okay. So, so you know that right. that could be a reason right. that they say, "I'm prepared to lend money to the club. I don't expect to get it all back, but this, but by putting it in in the form of a loan, it allows them to to have some form of credibility with themselves to say, well, you know, if we if I'd managed to sell it to to Saudi billionaires, I'd have got it all back. Yeah. If, if not, if I sell it under distress, I'll just take a hit. Right, okay. Well, as you know, Mondays is our special question pod. And the next question comes from Alan Pacitti. Hello, Alan. Uh, it says quick question on Rangers, so try and keep it quick. Uh, Rangers, I mean, five years ago, we were in a terrible, terrible financial situation, really poor. So basically his question is, are they recovering from that? Next five years, are they sustainable as a club? Um. Rangers finances have improved to a degree. Oh, um, only to a degree. Okay. To a degree. Certainly there is more money coming in. Um, and I think what is critical to Rangers is that they must uh, they must qualify for the Europa League group stages, um, ideally get out of those as they have done this season, um, and then they can start to, to make some money. Um, if they could win the Scottish Premiership, uh, and presently I think as we speak they're, they're five, five points five behind, behind with yeah. two games in hand, um, that would give them the opportunity to go into the Champions League and that could really change their finances around. 
at present, they have invested significantly on the pitch. They've invested significantly in Steven Gerrard. And therefore, the directors are having to subsidise the club each year uh, by, by lending further money. I think the directors have said, we are willing to do that. We can't carry on indefinitely. But uh, you know, a couple of Champions League campaigns or success this season, further success in the Europa League, um, could mean that they'll break even or more. If you're comparing them to Celtic, what Celtic have been very clever at doing, first of all, they they have had Champions League uh, group stage uh, contributions, which are huge compared to the Europa League. But uh, Celtic have sold a player every summer. Mm. And that player has normally gone for 20 to 25 um, million million pounds. So they, they sold it to Kieran Tierney. Mm. This summer it was Dembele, the, the previous summer. And that, that sort of effectively built into their model. And I think they're actually fishing in a slightly different pool to Rangers when it comes to recruiting players. So they're buying players in the three to five million pound bracket and selling them for 15 to 20. Historically, Rangers haven't been paying the same amount of money, but they did sign one of the lads from from Liverpool last summer mm. for eight million. So I think that they are feeling more confident. My view is, is that Rangers, it's, it's not easy for them because they are competing against Celtic, but they're, they're okay. Well, uh, Celtic are my Scottish club, so I'm not going to, good, I'm glad they're okay. I would have been upset if they'd been brilliant, but okay, it's fine. Um, I'm saying that because my, my Scottish family listened to this. If I hadn't acknowledged that Celtic was my Scottish club, I'd have been in big trouble. Uh, and if you think Big Dave's big, <laughs> <laughs> um, and those people listening in Scotland, by the way, I know we've been promising a Scottish football special. It's on the way. We're talks. We're talking with the chief executive of the Scottish Premiership. Um, I don't think it's fair to drag him down to South London. So we're looking to a date where we can do a proper studio in London. And Guy, who's sitting at home listening to this on his gold sofa, can stump up the money for that proper studio as well. Uh, next question is Adam. Adam. Adam says, hello to Kev and the Baron. Now, just a note, I don't like being called Kev, Adam, uh, Kevin. Ooh. I'll answer to it, but Kevin's fine. If you really want your question asked, the Baron, of course, loves being called the Baron. The Baron's glowing. Well, I, I keep being called Kevin on the B- BBC it's, and TalkSport yes, and Sky. I know, so, so I'm Kev, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that as well. Yeah, oh, fine, okay. Well, you know, you wouldn't be if I called you Kev, would you? That's going to confuse everybody. <laughs> uh, Adam's a Wolves fan, it's, which is it's a very good time to be a Wolves fan. His question's about the Europa League. Financially... How much is the Europa League going to make a difference for Wolves if they're knocked out in the last 16, the quarterfinal, the semi-final? Is it? It's nowhere near the Champions League, we know that, but for a club like them, does it make a difference? I, I, I think it does. Um, that The way that UEFA distribute the money, 80% of the prize money goes to the Champions League, 20% goes to the Europa League. Mm-hmm. And then, I think, is it next season, the Europa Club Conference begins? Yeah. Uh, they've not revealed um, what proportion of the money is going into that I suspect not a lot is going to be subtracted from the Champions League we talked about that at some length several pods ago didn't we now so I know you can archive those but that was a very interesting conversation about this totally unnecessary and pointless New Europa club club. It's going to be very difficult not to be in Europe, essentially, for most clubs in the next couple of years, isn't it? (laughs) Very much so. So yeah, we're finishing ninth all of a sudden because it's very exciting. Um, so how how much money do um, do you get? You get you get three million just from getting to the group stages. You get oh, five hundred and seventy okay. grand for a win. Okay. Now that's one win in the Europa League. You get one hundred and ninety thousand for a draw. Remember, you get two hundred thousand for winning the Carabao Cup. Yeah. Okay. So 
the, the the main reason financially for winning the Carabao Cup is it allows you into this type of uh, additional money. Okay. If you take a look at what Wolves have done um, so far, they, they've got three and a half million pounds in prize money from their group games plus the two point nine. So they made about six and a half million to date. Um, and then if they get to the quarterfinals, it's another million and a half. If they win it, they get eight and a half million. Um, plus they get to play in the Super Cup. So this is all prize money. On top of that, of course, you've got gate receipts. So Which are all extra, of course. That's they? right. Yeah, of course. Yes, um, yeah. So looking at the accounts of um, Chelsea and Arsenal, um, who, who were winners, of course, and runners-up of the Europa Cup last season, or the Europa League, uh, Chelsea made just under £40 million and Arsenal's was around about 35 36 Um so it, it's worth having. Um, it's it's not the same as it. It's you'd be better off avoiding relegation than winning the Europa League. Oh, okay. To put it into some form of context, right. this episode of the Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamarck and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. I'm quite glad Wolves are in Europe because historically those series of friendlies they played back in the 50s against Real Madrid and Homved was, was what led to the creation of the European Cup in the first place. So they sort of deserve to be getting some money out of a tournament. They had a big play in starting, didn't they? That's right. And also yeah. they're playing great football. Yeah. And as an away fan, it's, it's one of the places you genuinely look forward to going to. Well, there's a, there's a, a bypass, an underpass near one of the pubs I wouldn't recommend going to but apart from that it's a brilliant place to go yeah I I, yeah. I, I was I was in that underpass in 1981 when we beat Wolves 1-0 on a Tuesday night and I've never run so fast in my life that was that yeah. was old school naughtiness yeah, I was at Wolves with Steve Ball once which is a Fascinating. Oh, wow. That was a brilliant experience. Yeah. Anyway, um, enough of this pointless nostalgia. You can wait for our books for that. Uh, Harry Wood is a Barnsley fan. Now, this is a question I know is right up your street. We've had a couple that are pure accounting questions, and this is a pure accounting question. So I will ask it, and I'll mentally switch off. I'll, I'll wait for your lips to stop moving, and I'll get back in the room if that's okay. Now, 
this I think you, it comes from a link that I think you published. Is profit and loss before tax? But Barnsley posted a figure that was profit and loss after tax, due to the fact that they posted these in what are called abbreviated accounts. Now, before I drift off, Harry <laughs> wants to know whether these abbreviated accounts are dodgy or common practice. First of all, they're common practice. Oh, um, okay. If you've got a company that, that you provide your services through, that will that will produce abbreviated accounts. What happens is that if you employ less than 50 people um, and if you have turnover of less than £12.6 million pounds and certain certain value for your assets less than £6.5 million, you don't have to produce the full amount of information. Does Barnsley fit that remit? Barnsley, Barnsley does. Into, They've got f- f- less than 50... 50- well, you, you've got to satisfy two out of three of those. Oh, so, so, okay, it's sati- right. so, it, so it does. Right, right okay. Um, and what this means is that all of your profit and loss information, which is your revenue, your wage bill, your tax bill, how much interest you're paying on loans... All of that information is not shown in the accounts. So the clubs in the Premier League and the Championship, they are all above that threshold. So therefore, uh, as you know, when a new set of accounts comes out, I get very, very excited by that. I I get less excited when clubs produce these abbreviated accounts. Now, this means that there's it's less the transparency. It's between softcore and hardcore porn for you, basically, isn't it? <laughs> I, I wouldn't know anything about that. You run it? Yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, the, the difference is in, in the football industry is, is that a football industry is, is not the same as, as, a, as a company that makes plastic boxes or washing machine repair parts. Um, football club, as, as, you know, as, as far as we're concerned, as far as most cat fans are concerned, it is the beating heart of the local community. It's part of your identity. All these things which we football romantics hold very closely yeah, to our heart. It should be all those things, yes. And therefore, the argument goes is that it should be a protected business and it should have greater transparency and communications and better governance. Now, the, the Football Supporters Federation, they've said they've, they've lobbied the EFL and they've also lobbied government to say that football clubs therefore should not be able to produce these abbreviated accounts okay. because it will allow the fans to see with greater uh, with greater transparency exactly what the clubs are up to the club owners of course turn around and say well, well none of that you know, we, we like being clandestine mm. so there's an there's a there's an on pass at present um you know i i can identify how much profit a club has made from looking at the balance sheet but it's no detail. So it's not dodgy. It is common. It is frustrating because it reduces comparability in governance and transfer, transparency. And I'm back in the room. Now, our <laughs> last question. <laughs> so, no, no, it's, it's a very good answer. I mean, because I, I think you, you, you would always worry when you see your club involved with, with words, even if you know nothing about these things, They don't. You, your first thought is, is this right? Are other clubs doing it? So it's a very good question. Now, Chris Whiffin, our last question. Remember a couple of weeks ago, there was a lot of fuss about uh, Owen Doyle, who's scoring a lot of goals for Swindon, owned or registered by Bradford. Um, but it's focused attention on, on the rule that you can only play for two clubs per season. And Chris wants to know why that rule is there. And financially, is it a good idea? And also, I guess, is it not restricting a player's ability to work where he wants? 
it, it is restricting a player's ability to play where he wants. The reason for it is to stop um, four matches from the end of the season, a club who's got a bit of money um, recruiting Wayne Rooney recruiting Harry Kane um, and so on. Just you, know, you could you could do that for players um, on, on a short term basis. It would make a mockery of end of season negotiations and, and end of season matches. Could you you could? There's a transfer window. How would they be able to do that anyway? Well, what you could have is a player at the start of the season is registered and plays a couple of games for one club. He then goes. Um, it, it's it's more difficult now in the Premier League window because that that coincides with the start of the season. Yeah. But if you think about it, at the end of August, yeah. you could play half a dozen games. Yeah. You then go out on loan to one club. You go out on um, you come back at the start of January. You play a couple of games for yet a third club, and yeah. then you go out on a fourth loan deal, yeah. and you just become a gun for hire. And I think in terms of the integrity of the game, and let's face it, there's not a lot of it left. I think it's one of the few things which is a positive. So this rule is is less to do with finances and more to do with integrity. Yeah, absolutely nothing to do with finance. Uh, I think from a from a host club's point of view, they'd quite happily hire out uh, mm. one of their best reserve strikers on a match by match basis to whoever was the highest bidder. Well, we don't often then to get get to end this pod with the word integrity. So let's 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 do that. That's fantastic. Um, thank you for all your questions. Our Monday pod is driven by them, so please keep sending them in to at priceoffootball.com. There is a bit of a queue, but we will get to your questions. Uh, and sometimes Kieran will even answer them on social media, depending on what sort of mood he's in. Normally, it, it ranges from bad to furious, Kieran's mood in general. But when he's in one of his affable moods, he might answer one of your questions. He has to on this, because we're hoping to monetize it. So what you get is good, Kieran. Oh, right. <laughs> I think after Guy's worked out how much our share is I, th- I think you're in for a bit it's, of a shock uh, there we, uh, we all know he's too busy on his gold bed under his <laughs> duvet made of notes um this is a adapted production um thank you very much for listening i've been told off several times for saying we'll see you soon because of course we won't we're never going to get to see you until such time as we do a live one which we're not going to do until guy pays us for the ones we've been doing anyway uh, <laughs> and we'll see you on thursday cheerio folks I stand for the fall.